0: and the USOPC in no way warrants that content of featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show.
1: I'm a little concerned that Pierre de coupertin's ghost is going to come back and, like, come can, after we us. Can if we can take him. We can take him. Come on.
0: Mesdames and Messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society the Olympic Games is about to begin. This is gonna be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Oh! 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 Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready?
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympic fans. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello, how are you today? Ciao! <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> getting ready
1: already. <laughs> well, I don't know any Swedish, so that's what I could pull oh. out. <laughs> but
2: yes, the 2026 winter game bids have been dropped off with the IOC and there are two. There is Milano Cortina and Stockholm Ora.
1: Ora, we've been practicing. Uh, we've been that. working on it. They all yes. of a sudden added on a second city. I was confused. You know, that's because I,
2: I bet they're trying to get the regional concept in because not much. We don't know much about the Stockholm bid because their bid book is not public yet, uh, while Milano's is. So we've spent a bunch of time looking through it, but Stockholm like Milano has split out competition into multiple places. So Aura is pretty far up North and that's where the Alpine stuff is going to be. And then, uh, Nordic, uh, skiing will be in Falun, which is, it's a little outside of Stockholm. And by a little, I mean like about three hours, whereas Ora is like maybe seven or eight. Oh, driving, really? driving. So maybe they've got wow. flights or, and then, the sliding stuff will take place in Segulda, Latvia, which is like an hour flight from Stockholm.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. So that it's it's much sprawlier than I realized. Right. Because I haven't, I haven't seen the bid book with the map yet. They right. haven't published that. Right. And, so, and I thought yeah, Milano was, was
2: sprawling. You know, I thought, because right. they're like four or five hours apart. And, right. you know, you're talking little mountain roads. But... I will say the Milano bid, the new norm principles seem to be like either taking hold or they're listening to what the IOC wants.
1: Well, just the bid itself was only less than 100 pages. No, no, it was 127. 127? Okay. So then what they published online wasn't quite everything. Okay. Um, But still, 127 compared to those
2: yeah, like six hundred page books that they'd have to come up with because because you realize like how much can they really predict six years, seven years out? You right. can't do that much even even some of the stuff I was reading, I was laughing at like, oh yeah, this is really gonna get done on time
1: or <laughs> like, oh, we're gonna have a website. Hey <laughs> but the Milan bid had three centers mm-hmm. of activity, right with like a fourth one. Well, that's the Kind of an in between.
2: Right, because they're only going to have like a couple of things there, like triathlon. Right.
1: And it was a beautiful looking bid with so many existing facilities. Yes. Or existing facilities that need to be renovated, but that are used. Yes. I think the only thing that was completely, un- I think there's one brand new facility. And then one facility that's currently closed. Right. Everything else is either temporary or currently in use, which is fantastic. Right.
2: And then they're going to build like villages, but some of those will be temporary Mm because they're building like three villages. And some of them will be temporary modular things that the, uh, I believe their National Guard plans to use for emergency housing in uh afterwards and then uh the village in milan will be uh used for university housing which is perfect right it it was a really nice looking bid i will i will say that in this university housing i know somebody who went to georgia tech and after they they said
1: the dorms from the olympic village were just crap yeah but these are the italians it's going to be cool You think? It could be cool. It could be cool from a design side. That's what I mean. And I think it'll be functional. Yeah, hopefully. Or hopefully functional for decades and not just something that's
2: temporary. Because we've seen it in, you know, you, you saw it in Rio and you saw it in Sochi with the village housing that wasn't
1: really great. But these are the Italians. They're not going to build ugly things. (laughs) And then with the Swedes, we talked about this. Do you think Ikea is going to totally outfit the villages? I think that would be awesome. Oh my God. They'd have the whole Ikea Olympic line. Right. Oh, that would be fabulous. But they can't make. Any of the athletes, you know, put things together with the directions without words. (laughs) They're going to
2: have like big cadres of volunteers who do nothing but assemble furniture.
1: Yes. And who just carry around those Allen wrenches. Right. Around their belts in all different sizes. Yes. Yes. That'll be part of the uniform. Right.
2: Did you get to the licensing bit in the Milano bid though? I didn't. Okay, so they want to license, you know, the typical, like, stationery and and sports stuff and all that. But they also want to do, like, food and drink and beauty products because, like, Milan is center of fashion. Yeah, that's what you do. So I
1: am – I would be so curious to see what they come up with for license. Okay, well, there has to be – there absolutely has to be lip balm because it's going to be cold. Yes. Um, Sunscreen. Yes. Um, Some rich moisture cream. Yes. You know, because Italian women care very much for their skin. Some and kind of people. hair mask. Oh yeah, definitely hair mask. Nail polish. Okay. Oh, you could have the Olympic colors manicure in those, like, oh. in a set. <laughs> Make a little set of the of the nail polish. What else? Oh, like temporary tattoos. Okay. Oh, have you seen these temporary lip tattoos? No. Okay, so it's like a temporary tattoo, but it's lip shape, and you put it on your lips. So you can do, like, design lips. You could do a lip tattoo with the Olympic rings. And so, like, when you close your mouth, like, the top three are on the top, and the bottom two are on the bottom.
2: Oh, my
1: gosh. (laughs) I've seen it with, like, leopard print or things like that. Wow. But, yeah, this could... Why don't they hire us to come up with I these props? Oh jeez. And yeah, we I know do what well. Tokyo had was a dead fish in a bowl. Or that not Tokyo. <laughs> Beijing. <laughs> Remember the dead fish in the bowl? No, I don't. Oh, yeah. It was like a keychain bowl that had a live fish but you couldn't feed it or <gasps> oh, change yeah, the water can, yeah. and the fish died. <laughs> I'm talking temporary lip tattoos.
2: That would be very cool. I think that I think I think the kids would love that.
1: I know, but you know, yes.
2: So the Milan bid is really good for using existing venues. And they kept talking about how Milan was host of Expo 2015, which is like a big world's fair. Mm-hmm. And then I found a big article about how that budget was bloated and how everything was just a little chaotic.
1: Milan has done what we talked about when we talked about New Norm, they have combined the Milan 2030 redevelopment plan mm-hmm. with the Olympic bid, right. which I think is brilliant.
2: Right, because then the Olympic Committee for the Games is not on the hook for developing all this stuff. They're kind of tying it in. Although I thought they were a little optimistic on how much transportation would get built in seven years.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of new trains, extending lines, but, I'm sure it needs to happen,
2: oh, I'm sure it does too, so it this is a nice impetus. I'm curious to see what will actually get accomplished to be quite honest. There was something else wait, so there the the cities are kind of spread apart as we as we mentioned, and this was talking about how um it was a unique experience for broadcasters and press, and they say the travelling time between the different hosting cities will also be conceived as an opportunity to optimize time. Not only by relaxing and enjoying the landscapes, but also offering the opportunity to work in comfortable railway coaches equipped with the necessary technologies, such as ultra fast Wi Fi connection, monitors to broadcast the official channels, etc.
1: So basically, you're stuck on a train, but we're (laughs) going to entertain you.
2: That's what. You're stuck on this train for a while.
1: Get some work done. But I got to say, I have never been to Italy, Mm -hmm. but I would think the ride between Milan, and Cortina would be incredibly gorgeous. Oh yeah. I'm sure. Going up into the Italian Alps Mm -hmm. and that's got to be beautiful. It would be beautiful.
2: But I do foresee, I think on both bids, there's probably going to be some transportation headaches. Yeah. Getting people to venues. You're talking about getting them into small Alpine villages or, you know, mountain regions that are going to be tiny with windy roads, but hopefully they, The Milan bid at least has talked about how they were going to ban cars from certain areas so that they could keep the transportation hassles down.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's always always a challenge. I mean, that's always the challenge because the Winter Olympics, you need to be up in the mountains. There's no way around it. Right. And there aren't that many cities. Right. So you're always going to have split events. Mm Mm-hmm. And Which then, can't be good because right. then you're not all on top of each other, right?
2: And and I say, I mean, like the new norm is a big impetus for stuff, but yeah, Milan uh, or Milano and Northern Italy already has a lot of that infrastructure in place, right. and you know they the the IOC has gone with the last. Well, you can include Beijing in this, but Beijing and Rio and uh, Pyeongchang, those were, and Sochi, I would say those were. Reason or the like part of the reason to put the games in those places was to develop Olympic sport or develop the ability to do world
1: class events. Right, those were not cities other than Beijing that any of us had ever heard of before, really.
2: Right, Sochi and in particular. So, of course, yeah, they put yeah. a ton of money into building venues, and Milan doesn't have to do that because they host World Cup events in almost every discipline. On a yearly basis.
1: Right. And I mean, it's a big major city. It has a big major airport. Mm -hmm. It has, you know, a lot of that infrastructure, which is nice. Now, in the bid, they do include completely renovating the 1956 sliding venue.
2: Right, because that's been closed for almost 10 years.
1: A long time. And there was some discussion that they would use a Swiss site for sliding, but that's not in the bid. No, the that's not in the, is in the bid. No. Whereas in the Stockholm bid, they're not built. They're not building no. a new sliding venue. They're using a Latvian existing sliding venue, which, which are... I love. This
2: yes, but that's going to need renovations too because I did see an article in lsm.lv, which is uh, some kind of Latvian news source, and. This is, they say there that they still need to reconstruct the Sled and lose track.
1: But renovations has got to be cheaper than building new. Oh, of course, of course. And I like the idea of having the sliding in Latvia, because Latvia certainly couldn't handle an entire Olympics. No, but it, yeah, I, I would agree that it's. But it could handle this smaller event that will bring a tremendous number of people
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and you would think money and interest. So that can, you know, you can still develop a region, but not put all your eggs in a developing region.
2: Right. And it's only an hour flight from Stockholm. So people can get back and forth pretty quickly too. if They just
1: want to go for the day. And I'm sure they will set that up to make right. it very easy, you know, set right. up a whole... Flight shuttles, kind of thing, (laughs) going through. Right, right, right. So, so do you do you feel strongly about one or the other?
2: uh, You know, I was reading Milano's bid, and I was excited about it, but then I had to keep reminding myself, "Wait, they're going to go over budget. They're going to go over budget. Things are going to be slow. We know that. You know, Italy's got a reputation. I haven't seen the Stockholm bid, so I'm afraid to." to to go that way as well although stockholm's never had a winter olympics and italy's had two so it'd be kind of cool to see them go to sweden and they have a huge nordic tradition so watching all those events would be very cool but i i would be curious to know uh, i don't know about alpine skiing in sweden and how much on the world cup circuit they are with that oh so, yeah that's true you know because part of it is how many what kind of events have you hosted before? That was one of the things when Chicago decided to bid, they started hosting all these events like crazy to show, hey, we can host these things and pull them
1: off. Do you know it's gonna be something really cool if the Swedes get it? The Norwegian fans. Oh yeah, right there. Oh my god, they it's are gonna, gonna be, be flooding into and they must be so much fun. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> So. But then, you know, Italian fans, pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, very passionate, passionate people.
1: Exactly. So, so I think either way. Right. Do you, do you feel, be-
2: yeah, do you feel strongly?
1: <sighs> you know, there. of course, I, I would love to see it in Milano. I will have no trouble pronouncing people's names,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which will make my life, la- or places, which will, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how good your Swedish is, but I can at least pull out Italian names. I don't mm-hmm. speak Italian, but I know how to pronounce a name. But I love that the Swedes haven't had an Olympics in over a hundred years and right. they've never had a winter. And I think they would get very fired up about that. So I'm, I'm definitely torn. And we haven't seen the the full Swedish bid yet. Right. So I will. But With judgment. I, I will mention to you, there is a small factor here that I have to consider yes Sweden has a lovely royal family that will (laughs) totally show up at these things (laughs) they have just an adorable family. so so we've got the king and the queen and their three children who all have small children who will be teenagers oh in 2026 so they all will be all these teenage royals to go to all these events So that does kind of have an influence on me. I know. I'm a terrible royal fan. I love when they show up to stuff.
2: We shall see. I know on Twitter, a listener, Blake, uh, tweeted out to us that he thought Stockholm should get the bid too. You never know. Did he have a reason? Uh, No, he didn't.
1: Okay. But we shall see. We'll find I know. out. I'm June. excited. I'm excited that the bids are so good. Yes. Since we had so much trouble getting Right, getting the commitments. And I think exactly.
2: either either way, either one will be a good choice. And hopefully because they'll be able to use existing venues, I'm assuming that Stockholm is using more than just an existing sliding center. Obviously all the Nordic stuff is in place, but I, I would imagine that they also don't have to bid Oh, you know what? You know what else Milano had going for it? Did you see where they were gonna put their closing ceremonies? Yep. So the closing ceremony they have it planned to be hosted at the Arena di Verona, which is one of Italy's best preserved and iconic amphitheatres.
1: Which oh, can you imagine how beautiful that's going to be? Right. Oh, that would be magical. I would Yes. Think.
2: Absolutely magical. I know. We shall see. The IOC evaluation commission is going to inspect the Stockholm bid in person from March 12 to 16, and then they go to Italy in at the beginning of April, from April 2 to April 6. And then they provide a little report, and the IOC has its selections in June at the end of June.
1: Does their selection coincide with Olympic Day? It, it does, is, doesn't just it? Just
2: after Olympic after. Day, okay, like the day after Olympic Day.
1: It's going to be a wild weekend
2: in <laughs> yeah, <Lazon>. yeah. <laughs> We'd like to take a moment real quick to thank all of our Patreon supporters, and we invest a lot of time and money in this show, and we appreciate the patrons who help us make it happen. Join our group at patreon.com slash olimfever and get some special patron benefits. So we do appreciate everyone who helps support the show and helps keep us going, especially as we get closer and closer to Tokyo 2020. Oh, so yeah, the IOC at the end of December published this essay on sport becoming more urban, which was really kind of interesting. So uh, they want to evolve the Olympics for the next generation of athletes and fans, which means kind of sports need to evolve with it. So we wondered what sport should stay, what should go, and also we wondered about the fact that Tokyo added a whopping five sports to the Olympic program and how viable is it to keep all of those. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Paris decides to put on its program and whether any of those five stay, but you know, what, what do you think as the, as the Olympics evolve, what should go?
1: Well, you know, I, I was thinking a lot about where the Olympics started and what sports were in them and why they were in them. Mm -hmm. So, when the Olympics started, sport as a thing was either for very wealthy people's recreation right. or military training. So a lot of the sports that we consider kind of traditional Olympic sports have one of those two starting points.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, biathlon, military training, you know, right. archery, shooting, even the running and swimming was all about training for the military. Right. And that's not what sports is for now, right? It's not just very wealthy people playing tennis. Correct.
2: Because sport is supposed to be for all, and the Olympics aims to reach everyone. And you still have this very aristocratic background to
1: it. Right. So some of the sports that are there, things like equestrian, things like shooting, as we found out, are extremely expensive sports. Mm -hmm. To participate in. Right. And are not things that I don't think anywhere in the world you generally have an equestrian program at your public schools. Right.
2: That is something that you get into maybe if you live in a region that
1: is very horse prone. I mean, right. there are or regions your family and, yes. does this or whatever. So that got me thinking because I've been I have to say my the, the past week I've been thinking about this. I have definitely changed my mind. Because I was a traditionalist mm-hmm. and a very strong traditionalist. And now I'm thinking, you know what? The the sports that are in the Olympics should reflect the sports that are that people are playing around the world and that people want to watch around the world. Because that's the only way the Olympics are gonna survive if people wanna continue to participate and watch. Right. So what do I want to see go? I don't know necessarily, (laughs) I haven't necessarily come up with an answer to all that, but I I was, the one factor that I always kept in my mind was the Olympics should be the ultimate prize in that sport. Mm -hmm. And I still like that, but I'm, because that would cut out things like soccer, tennis, golf,
2: right? um,
1: because the Olympic medal is nice, but it doesn't, It's not the end-all be-all for that particular sport. You know, a country would certainly want the World Cup versus the Olympic medal in soccer, for example. Mm -hmm. It would take out things like hockey. It would take out basketball, really. But then I'm like, but if these are the sports that people want to watch and participate in, those are the sports that should be there.
2: Right. And should we have variations? Because one of the things when you talk about basketball this year, we're going to, or for Tokyo, we're going to see three-on-three basketball. Which I'm actually kind of excited about. And that's something that seems like it's more accessible because you need fewer people for it. And maybe games right. are quicker or you need a smaller court or whatever. But that to me is kind of exciting more so than getting your traditional basketball game.
1: Yes. I think you because we see with more it all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. More countries able to participate. Because, you know, even in the NBA, you have players from all around the world. Mm-hmm. There's probably a lot more countries that could come up with a very strong three on three versus the traditional. Yeah, maybe the traditional team, maybe. You know, certainly all those Eastern European countries, because we have so many, you know, Croatian players. Mm-hmm. And they're probably going to come up with some pretty strong three on three teams. Yeah, which would be interesting. Which would be fun to watch. To. Because you want it to be competitive. Mm -hmm. I find it, and I know I'm going to say, I know I'm going to get in trouble because there are some people who disagree with this. I find it very boring in the Summer Olympics when the United States wins everything. I... I would agree. ...hate that. Because this is not, the Olympics is not for the United States. The Olympics is supposed to be for everybody. Right. So I'm much happier at the Winter Olympics where there's so many events where you don't know who's going to win and you can get three different countries on the podium it's exciting
2: it is, is it? exciting and it it also gives a place for people from smaller countries perhaps to make a name for themselves right where it's not you, you know pride. you know we have we're a big country we've been a leader economically for a long time and that kind of spills over into our Olympic prowess, but it's kind of fun to see, you know, India win a few medals. Yes. You know, and and certainly like Kenyans and Ethiopians who excel at long distance running. That's always fun to see. And Jamaican sprinters and things like that. Places where countries can develop a little tradition of sport for themselves and inspire their local children to try to be the best at the world stage.
1: Right, and to participate in sport Mm -hmm. and make it more egalitarian and make it more worldwide, and that's what's going to keep the Olympics alive. You know, we made a a, when we were talking earlier in the week. I made the joke about Miss America, Mm -hmm. how the Miss America pageant a few years ago basically wasn't going to happen because it's outlived its purpose. Right, because it's a scholarship. Right, it's a scholarship for women, but who wants to run around in high heels in a bathing suit to get a scholarship? Not me. And I don't think anyone would want to see that either. <laughs> but I don't want the Olympics to go down the route of these. Of itself that... into irrelevancy. Exactly. And that's my fear. Right. So you had said there was, there was, we put this out on social media. Yes. to get people's opinions. Yes. And you said on Twitter, there were some, Yes.
2: So um, 6.0 replied, the IOC must remove breakdancing from the games and apologize in their best cursive handwriting. Hashtag dump the shark,
1: which I loved. (laughs) But (laughs) can't disagree with it. The other thing, before you say that, Mm -hmm. I was also thinking I would like to see fewer judged sports.
2: Yes and no. I mean... There are so many judged sports. Do you think that then I I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that because yes, I would agree because judging judged sports are so fraught with bias and things like that. Although there's bias in oh, well, I wouldn't call it bias, but they're fraught for being I don't know what the word is. manipulated. Yes, manipulated. But you could do that in any sport. True. Officials who don't see the call, you know, they don't see the play. Right. That's right. True. You know. They, the the photo finish doesn't work or the timing thing doesn't work or somebody hits the long jump and oh that looks to me like it went you know it was good you know that that kind of thing I think any sport is fraught for that what's to say that something that's judged
1: shouldn't be in the Olympics that's true because you do yeah, have these I sports that were right. you know people enjoy right and I wouldn't want to get rid of gymnastics or figure skating or mm-hmm. diving. Or a lot of these judged sports. I worry when they just keep adding judged sports. Right. Like, oh, uh, is this the direction we want to go in? hmm Like breaking say. You
2: know, but uh listener, Don had a lot to say about this on Twitter. Cause he's like, what's it's a complex question. Like you, like you said, it's complex. What's the criteria? And you would think, For him, he's like, well, you got to think about logistical needs and cost of staging. And can you duplicate it and sustain it? And you also should look at participation. So you know, you're talking about like, surfing, which I still don't understand that as a choice. And I know people who love watching surfing competition. But they live in California, where you have access to surfing. And maybe it's just I need to watch it more. But I just think that is such a hard sport to stage much like I think sailing can be a difficult sport to stage and also one to broadcast well and maybe drones will help with that but I said somewhere that I I forget that sailing exists as an Olympic sport just because it seems so far removed because it's always got to be on an open body of water And they kind of go off and they do their own thing. And
1: that's a sport that I really need to get to know better to understand. Right. And the chances of me trying sailing are pretty slim. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, in the sport fashion of it. Right, right. So, yeah, I would think that the, the IOC, in relation to the new norm, should absolutely consider do you need a special venue for this mm-hmm. or th- the expense of it? You know, there was a lot of, on um, Facebook, there was a lot of, we need to get rid of equestrian.
2: Oh, right. Cause it's
1: expensive. It's expensive and it is a special venue and it is a huge venue, you know, because you've got the, the eventing and the jumping and dressage. And right. you know, there was a lot of anti-equestrian thought.
2: Interesting. But what did do
1: say? But it Oh, Don
2: say. also said, you know, like, how many combat sports do you really need? You know, you're talking about, if, if you keep karate in, you're talking about boxing, two different kinds of wrestling, judo, taekwondo, fencing, and karate. Granted, you can stage them all in relatively the same type of venue, you know, basically a convention center with the right mat down, that's fine, but it just seems like... That it, th- those are so many fighting sports, right? Why should they all stay? And yeah. I get they're all different, and that some places they, I mean, are, why aren't we going to add Muay Thai or kickboxing or
1: whatever? Olympic Octagon.
2: <laughs> don't, don't even. I don't even want to go there. But, <laughs> but it's it's,
1: uh, it's a it's thought. I mean, I'm glad that they're thinking this way. Yes. I'm glad the IOC is considering it as a broad topic rather than picking and choosing because you also got to think. So for example, mm-hmm. a couple of people on Facebook were complaining about things like race walking or mm-hmm. um more individual events. And I'm thinking to myself, well, is that a separate NGO? No. No. Is that a separate facility? No. Not really. No, it's usually on the street. Right. Or it's on the track. Right. The same track is running. So, why would we bother to cut that?
2: Right. Because you're only talking about a couple of events. Right. If and- you've got
1: a whole structure,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like the whole sport, the whole governing body, like getting rid of one of those fighting sports would be a lot more cost effective because those each have separate governing bodies don't they yes i believe so yeah
2: i mean it's interesting i mean uh when we go back to going getting back to some of what don said uh he could you can make a class based argument against sailing and equestrian but that's not really fair or appropriate i guess cl- okay. you know that's interesting argument because you know hey you're you're also when we talk about sport for all and sports that require money are really sport for some, but you know, it's still a sport and why shouldn't they get the opportunity just because they have money to do this?
1: That's an interesting thought. I wouldn't argue with it. Okay. I'm going to change my mind again. See, I'm like, like the, I would make the worst politician. The, my argument against equestrian and sailing wouldn't be the cost to the participant. It's a cost to the host city.
2: Yes, that's that's a, that's a little bit different. And that's what Don pointed out as well. You know, if you're going to talk yeah. about staging and logistical stuff, then then you're talking about a different when, when I think when you pile them all on, when you look at the history of the Olympics and what how few sports it started with mm-hmm. and then you just kind of kept adding and adding and adding. All of a sudden, you know, somebody's now putting putting the brakes on going, "Whoa, we made ourselves a big thing here and yeah everyone likes bigger is better and being able to do more in subsequent years but at at what cost at some point
1: right the olympics needs to be a reflection of sport around the world and if the sports don't reflect society anymore even if they've been in since 1896 i think they should be on the table interesting Interesting. Another thought,
2: uh, a perspective to that would be looking at what makes money and attracts an audience. That's uh, getting an audience uh, participation. It's one thing, but you already also talk about sports that get, because they, they're the ones that um, they, they get money from the IOC and from the broadcast rights. And so there's actually five tiers of sports based on popularity and those tiers get different types of money distributed to them. So you're looking at the top tier is athletics, aquatics and gymnastics. So people like watching them. Those are also the
1: easiest to watch in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's, it's a contained space. It's a one race at a time, one performance at a time. You can understand what's going on Mm -hmm. in, in those
2: then you'd be followed by basketball cycling football which is soccer in the us soccer yeah and tennis and volleyball okay also wait tennis really yeah well people like watching the stars do i like- you know i think that's that's made basketball more popular you know we argue about sports that bring in professionals Or, you know, people who play professionally and make millions of dollars every year doing their sport versus, you know, professional, smaller sport person who probably doesn't make that type of money. And whether or not that they should get the opportunity to get uh, an Olympic gold medal doesn't mean that much to them when it's not the title in their sport. Well,
1: that that goes back to my original thinking was the Olympics has to be the highest. Right. the the pinnacle of your Mm -hmm. sport achievement.
2: Right. So the hard thing is then when people who like going to the Olympics are like watching the Olympics also like the opportunity to watch their favorite stars again. Right. Tier three on your, on your money getters, archery, badminton, boxing, judo, rowing, shooting, table tennis, and weightlifting. I would kind of agree with that because I think uh, some of those sports are very popular, at least regionally in different parts of the world. And others, I think people really enjoy tuning into them, at least during the Olympics. And I know rowing, at least in the U.S. and parts of the U.S., has very strong tradition. And crew is big. And maybe get, maybe, maybe I think it's getting bigger
1: because the, more, the older I get, the more I see it. But Well, so. you know what's helped crew a lot in the United States? Title IX. Yes. Because it's a sport that schools can have, both for girls and boys. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to invest money, having a crew team gets you some Title IX breathing room. Okay. Interesting.
2: Your your Tier 4 sports would be canoeing, equestrian, fencing, handball, hockey, sailing, taekwondo, triathlon,
1: and wrestling. And that hockey is field hockey.
2: Yes. yes this is all hockey.
1: summer. Okay. Yes.
2: Which is interesting. But yes, we're getting down to stuff that people don't watch a lot. I don't know. I don't know what to think. And then the bottom tier is modern pentathlon plus uh, golf and rugby because they they haven't been around long enough. Right. Golf and rugby haven't. Modern pentathlon is interesting. You know, Don also mentioned about that. You know, it's a great expression of all around athleticism, which is, you know, interesting point. And also it's got that distinct Olympic heritage.
1: Right. But But... Yeah, I know it's complex. I mean, it doesn't, com- it doesn't use separate venues. Not anymore.
2: They simplified it.
1: Yes, they've done a lot to simplify that sport. But how much is it really practiced around the world? Not much. And how much, 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 much is it really watched?
2: I wouldn't mind seeing modern pentathlon evolve again. To be, you mean change the sports that are in it? Yeah, I mean? yeah, change the sports that are in it. You know, Which, I wouldn't know what to put in, in yeah. play, but I, I think taking out the horse factor would make it a lot more interesting. Because right. I think when I did watch the world championships, a lot of the horse riding was just, it, it made me cringe and worry because you're dealing with a strange horse who may or may not want to go over a jump. And I get the point of the horse within the sport, but I also don't know. Why, you know, make it more modern.
1: Right, because the original point was all these five things were, going back to what I said before, were military things. You know, the the military officer needed all of these skills. You don't need to ride a horse anymore. As much as I love horses, but the cavalry, not exactly on the forefront of the battlefield. Right. Never mind that should military training be our basis for sport. That's almost a whole other Discussion, Yeah, but I like the idea of changing the pentathlon and then maybe it would be more reflective of what the modern athlete is about. Mm-hmm. It'd be
2: okay. interesting. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what, what the pentathlon association could do.
1: I'm a little concerned that Pierre de Coupertin's ghost is going to come back and like come I after us. Oh, we can us take we him. Can. We can take him. Come on. He knows how to ride a horse. That, so do I. Enough. I can yeah. ride a horse. Enough. I don't know how to jump. Well, a you horse. shoot things. He's going to come yeah. after me because I'm the weak link in this. <laughs> it's okay.
2: I'll jump in front. I'll protect. You.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, if you have if you Baron. have thoughts
2: on what kinds of sports should be in the Olympics and how they should evolve to incorporate what the next generation of sport is, because they they have over time. I mean. The Olympics of today is very much different from the Olympics of nineteen twelve. So we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at Olimfever.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at five three zero seven six three three eight three seven. That's 70 Fever, or hit us up on Twitter, Insta, and Facebook at Olim Fever.
1: So yeah, it's interesting. I am very But I think we curious. need criteria. Like there needs to be objective criteria for selection. Oh, okay. And the fear of the ghost of the Baron should not be one of them. <laughs> Possibly.
2: Moving on to some Tokyo 2020 news. I guess it's not an Olympics without a scandal. So we've got another one hitting the Tokyo games.
1: So Sunekazu Takeda who is the uh, president of the Japanese uh, Olympic Committee bid, has been accused of corruption. Oh. Yeah. That he took, well, rather that he directed bid money to a Senegalese consulting company to get an ex-IOC member to swing votes his way for Tokyo 2020, <sighs> that they basically made up the consulting work for a company called Black Tidings, who is run by, or was run, it's now disappeared, by the son of a former IOC member from Senegal. <sighs> so basically vote buying during the bid process.
2: Not great? No. So, uh, what's happening now with this?
1: So, the French are investigating and say they are planning to bring charges against Takeda. It, it's a it's a big mess. the The Japanese Olympic Committee is saying no, this isn't true. That Black Tidings was paid for reasonable consulting services. The other Tokyo had a very good bid. You know, anyone who sort of looked at the bids, it was against Madrid and Istanbul. Mm -hmm. And they're saying Tokyo probably would have won anyway, which is making the uh, investigation difficult Mm -hmm. because it's not so obvious. Okay, but the uh, two million dollars that were paid to this consulting company weren't really for anything. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah.
2: All right. We'll keep an eye on that one. That's not fun to hear.
1: But can you imagine if the 2020 had been awarded to Istanbul? Oh, my gosh.
2: What a difficult games that would be because that would be on the bubble of, will it won't it happen because of right.
1: all the everything in Syria and everything mm-hmm. along the borders. and
2: I just... Although it could also be one of those like, well, Tur- that part of Turkey could be okay. And not be affected
1: by anything, but who knows? So, because seven, you know, twenty thirteen, it was very different world. Mm-hmm. Very different. It's very weird
2: to think that far out and what what all could happen.
1: Yeah. Nothing better happens to Los Angeles though. No. Or Tokyo something bad, or Paris. Yeah, but if something really bad happens to Los Angeles.
2: Yeah, you you lose your go-to city for hosting the games. Yeah. Um, also, in U.S. Olympic news, uh, there are U.S. Olympians calling for the uh, USOC board to resign and some congressional action being taken. This is something from a group called the Army of Survivors and the Army of Survivors is um, a survivors of sexual assault that they've uh, experienced through sport participation. And So they really want to see some shakeups happening at the national level. And uh, even though there have been new USOC board members uh, appointed in the last few weeks, uh, that's not enough for them.
1: And also, the board members that were appointed were insiders. Oh, okay. They were from an NGO. They were reappointed, like, after a four-year absence. So we're not getting real true new leadership at the USOC and the, the Olympians that signed this, Mm -hmm. these are some heavy hitters. We've got Greg Mm Louganis and Tracy Evans. And I mean, if you look at the list, these are names you will absolutely recognize. So when you've got that level of, of athlete and Olympian coming out and saying, USOC, you really need to clean up your act after the USOC was coming after U S gymnastics, right? Oh yeah. It's, it's uh, weird and difficult to see. I, I it's, mean, it's, it's a big moment because it's a moment culturally and now it's a moment, you know, with all of me too. And then because of Nassar, it's a moment in sport all coming together that you hope will really bring change. Right.
2: And I, yes, I do hope. I do hope. I mean, it is very hard for organizations to change that have been around a long time or are made up of volunteers. Volunteer organizations move so slowly. But I mean, like, how can they do better to
1: find people to lead them who aren't involved? And who want to make the changes who are willing to say, you know what, and this even goes back to what we were talking about with the sports. This whole movement needs to look at itself and say, "We've survived for, you know, 120 years. Mm -hmm. The world is extremely different than it was 120 years ago. What do we need to do now? Right. And make it happen. And make it happen because this this matters.
2: Yes, and it matters.
1: Let's be hopeful. Let's be hopeful.
2: Well, I think on that note, we will wrap it up for this week, and we'll catch you back here next week for more Olympic stories. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. Stay in touch. Email us at
0: olympfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at Fever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive.
1: Why don't they hire us to come up with these products? I know. Jeez.